Isn't it great to be in God's house this morning? It's 11 o'clock. It's very, very close to it. It might be 10.59, but uh, we're just going to have a good time this morning. We're just going to sing praises to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and just have some fun lifting His, lifting everybody's spirits and lifting His name. Uh, on the count of three, let's say amen. Ready? One, two, three. Amen. amen. All right, if you're proud to be here and thrilled to be here and you're able to stand, let's stand to our feet. Look in your praise book, number 54. In your praise book, number 54, we're going to sing Somebody Touched Me. While I was kneeling, somebody touched me. was kneeling somebody touched me must have been the hand of the lord glory 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 somebody touched me glory 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 somebody touched me glory 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 somebody touched me must have been the hand of the lord. while i was praying while i Glory, 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 somebody touch me. Glory, 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 somebody touch me. Somebody touch me, must have been the hand of the Lord. Okay, so just stand to your feet and tell some three or four people, three or four people around you, tell them God bless you. standing if you're able and uh, pastor steve's gonna give the prayer and isn't it great to have pastor steve back yeah that is knee surgery and good morning everyone yeah, what a beautiful morning so father in heaven thank you for such a beautiful morning as this and for the smiles on people's faces lord and for um, hopefully the smile on your face father we want to bring you joy we want you to know that, Father, there is nobody that's more important or is more lovely than you on the face of this earth and in, in the heavens. 
So, Father, we pray that you'll bless the music, the musicians. We pray that you will uh, bless the teaching and the teachers and the students. And we'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Steve, you want to give us an update on how you're doing? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I can't give you all the specific details because this is church. <laughs> Some of them would be at least R-rated anyway. But, uh, yeah, I had, uh, I had a um, melanoma taken off my back, and that was the, I think, the 14th of July. No, October. And then, uh, <laughs> and then the next day, they fused my back together, and that was uh, fun. And then uh, on, let's see, this is October. So I think it was October 15th or so, they completely rebuilt my knee, cut off the bone, put a new kneecap in there. So uh, I'm not going to be the $6 million man, but I might be the $6 man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, it's good to see all of you and uh, thank you for your patience, your prayers, and uh, everything that you do. And thank you for just being a part of this wonderful body of believers here. We sure love you. Yeah, amen. 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 And Steve was here Wednesday night, and they did finish 1 Corinthians in the Wednesday night Bible study. So the Wednesday night Bible study will continue on this Wednesday night. Potluck is at 6, Bible study at 645, and you're starting on 2 Corinthians now, right? So I got all that right. So I got little notes here going down so I don't mess anything up. I don't want to mess it up while Steve's here because then he'll know what actually happens when he's gone. So I uh, do want to thank Heaven Sent Flowers. They, they give us our flowers every single week, no charge. And so they are our local flower store. So just going to put a spot in for them if you guys have any flower needs in this area. You know, they do donate to our church, and it's just Fabulous to have them here uh, helping us. And then uh, if we've got visitors today, we're glad to have you. And uh, we want to make sure that you feel welcome. There are welcome bags out in the foyer. So uh, if you didn't get one coming in, be sure and get a welcome bag on your way out because we want you to know that we love you. We're glad you're here. And we want to tell you, make sure you know about Jesus. So there's literature in there that tells you about Jesus also. Uh, there's uh, some topics in the bulletin. Um, I won't go over all of that, but there's several topics in the bulletin. And um, there's there any corrections in the? Everything's all good. I, uh, so we got the women's Bible study, men's Bible study, tops, the prayer chain, things like that are in your bulletin, so you can check into that. Linda, add to. We're going to have a great November. We're also going to have the Thanksgiving feed that we do every November, the Wednesday night, uh, or is it the Wednesday? Two week, it's the week before Thanksgiving. And uh, do you have announcements on that? No. no. Well, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. So um, 
I'm just going to be right down to it. Last year, I baked all the turkeys and hams. I need help. Um, I don't mind baking. Okay. Well, if, if you want to bake a ham, we have probably another ham to bake. And um, I can probably handle two turkeys because, Jeff, you were donated to Carve by your wife. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the other thing is, on Wednesday night this week, I've got an, another pot of spaghetti I can do if you guys are not sick of it. So I'll drag that out and we'll do it. That's awesome. Yeah, and we do have two ovens now here at the church. Oh, we have three. Oh, my gosh. We could do three turkeys. Yeah. Awesome. So we're going we're gonna to have a great November. So make that a part of your, a part of your agenda. Uh, find out the dates and things on everything and make, make November. November can be a fabulous uh, month for our church. Um, so um, we're going to sing some more, but I've got a special request this morning. And I just want to, I just want to lay my heart out there to you guys. Um, the last three weeks, for sure, and maybe the last four weeks, as we've left the building, you know, we've had people that really needed prayer. And uh, caught, I've been, uh, they caught me in the foyer, they've been up here and we've prayed with them and things like that. And, you know, people in our community and people around us, they're, they're struggling through some things and they're having some hard times, but they're doing their best. You know, we had the young lady last week that was getting her tiny house, you know, under, under finished up and, and it's, it's gone now. So she's, she's moving on and, and having a place to live. But there's people who have, they struggle with relationships, they struggle with finances, they struggle with health and things like that. And if you're in the congregation this morning and you have something like that that you're struggling with, we want to we want to have a special prayer time to pray for you. If you're a deacon or deaconess or or just feel like you're a really strong prayer, if you don't mind standing to your feet right now, we'd ask you to stand to your feet. If you're a deacon or a deaconess or 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 a strong prayer, and I'm going to ask. I know there's a family back here that we need to pray for. Can we get you guys to come up front up here? And uh, we're going to pray. We're going to pray over some people. And if you're if you if you feel comfortable praying. Praying over, we're going to get Andrew to come up here, and uh, we're going to for sure pray over him. And uh, let's stand right here. Our pastor can't move around real good, so we'll get you over here by him. And uh, can we all stand our feet, if you're able? If you're able to stand your feet, can you? If you feel like you, you can pray and lay hands on him, would you come forward? We want to make sure we have plenty of people praying over, over this young man struggling uh, through some things in his life, and, uh, and we just want to have a special prayer time, okay? So uh, let's put your hands on, on him if you can. Let's get a circle going, and let's, we got hands on him. Dear Lord, we just come to you right now, Lord Jesus, and we just pray your power over this young man, Lord, and everything that's going on in his heart and his life with his children, with the things that are happening. I just ask you to prepare his heart, Lord, to give to have the strength and power that comes from you and uh, for him to be able to handle the things that are coming before him. I just ask you, Lord, to just take care of him every step he takes, every, every turn he, he makes. You know, you tell us, Lord, that you've got us in the palm of your hand and we're protected by you. So we're your children, Lord, standing before you. 
and there's two or more gathered here right now, so we know your spirit is in this place, and we just want to pray a special prayer over Andrew this morning, Lord, and just take care of him, take care of his family, take care of his mom and dad, anybody that's involved in things that are going on in his life, Lord. I just ask that the, your Holy Spirit and the power of your Holy Spirit be evident in his heart and in his life right here today. Lord, as we keep singing, as we keep praising you, Lord, I ask for your spirit to keep working in his heart so that it turns out to be an all-day time for him to know that you're in control and know that you're leading him in the right direction, Lord. And it's, we're just going to keep praying over him. We're going to keep singing and praising you. And we ask that your Holy Spirit just continue to work in him, in his life, and in, the, in, this, uh, in this sanctuary. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Over. Andrew for coming up. Love you. Always better to put your book right side up. You know, I don't think we get to applaud our worship team nearly enough. Can we do that again, please? They just get better and better and better. This morning, I'm going to share a teaching with you that I've shared once before, but I felt the Lord pulling me at this for quite a long time now, and I want to do it again because I think actually it's the most important message that uh, the good Lord ever gave me to teach. And, uh, but first I want to share a song, and as we sing, I want us to remember what Jesus said to his disciples on the day of the triumphal entry. He said, I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people unto myself. And I think what we need to do is think of that when we're singing, when we're preaching, lift him up. Lift him up so other people can see. It's our job to make him visible. And I, when we sing this song, I don't have the words for you, but some of you will, most of you will know this. But just think about lifting up all the people, or lifting up Jesus so they can see him. And that's what I'm hoping this church will always do. Anyway, this is for him. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. 
I come to die Yes, when I come to die Oh, when I come to die Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Give me Jesus You can have all this world Thank you. Um, several years ago, I saw this Calvin and Hobbes cartoon in a Sunday newspaper. And for those of you who don't know who Calvin and Hobbes are, Calvin was a precious little boy about six years old, and Hobbes is his stuffed toy tiger who occasionally becomes a full-size imaginary best friend who talks with him. So here it is. Calvin says, I feel bad that I called Susie names and hurt her feelings. I'm sorry I did that. Hobbes says, maybe you should apologize to her. Calvin says, I keep hoping there's a less obvious solution. <laughs> With that in mind, would you open your Bibles, please, to Luke 23:33? I'm not going to ask you to try to stay with me in the Bible because I'm going to be all over the place. But this is a nice way for us to start this, this scripture. Luke 23:33. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Father, we so often don't know what we're doing either, but we know, Lord, that we are forgiven because we've received your son Jesus into our hearts, into our lives. And Lord, may we always fish off the right side of the boat. Lord, I thank you so much for what you've been able to do for each one of us. And Lord, we look for more of your healing today in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in the summer of 1968, the notorious Manson family committed a pair of heinous crimes in the hills above Hollywood. The first crime they involved, the first crime involved taking the life of a pregnant film actress named Sharon Tate and four of her friends. The second atrocity, the following night, just a few blocks away, involved taking the lives of Rosemary LaBianca and her husband Lino for reasons that were unfortunately just based on the wrong information. Their daughter, Sharon LaBerge, found them the next day and first went into shock, then went into rage, and finally went into the very depths of almost suicidal depression. In time, she developed a case of malabsorption, an illness which prevents food from going into the bloodstream. And her doctor told her on a scale from zero to 10, with zero being death and 10 being life, you were at about a 0.5. Meanwhile, her parents' assassin, the Manson family member Tex Watson, is serving a life sentence in a nearby prison. While there, finally free of drugs for the first time in years, Tex begins visiting the prison chapel and eventually accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. 
Interestingly, during this same period, Sharon also receives Jesus as her Lord and Savior, but her illness does not improve. Her hatred and unforgiveness towards Tex Watson completely block her from being able to find any peace or any relief from her life-threatening depression. Then one day, she was reading in the morning paper and she ran across an article about Tex Watson and what's happened to him in prison, including his transformation into Christianity. At that point, Sharon realizes, as a Christian herself, she has to forgive the man, but she doesn't know how. She doesn't know how. So on a whim, she began writing to him and signing her letters, Sharon LaBerge. Interestingly, he writes back not knowing that she's LaBianca's daughter, and over time, they become, well, almost pen pals. Finally, Sharon realizes it isn't enough, so she decides to visit him in prison and forgive him in person. When she does, when she does, when she does, they both end up weeping and comforting one another as Tex begs for and receives Sharon's total forgiveness. And, 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 Sharon's malabsorption disappears forever. She goes on to become a happy wife and a happy mother of two lovely children. My point, unforgiveness can take a terrible toll on people and it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be dealt with. And it is critical for us to note, forgiveness is not a, unforgiveness or forgiveness is not a feeling, it is a decision. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it is a decision and it requires action. Action. So this morning I want to help us with our decision to forgive others by sharing a formula for taking action. The word ACT, A-C-T, can be used as an invaluable acronym for a three-step process. A-C-T stands for A, accept human fallibility. C, cancel the debt. T, turn the page. With these in mind, let's return to our text. Luke 23, 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Step one, accept human fallibility. First of all, how important is forgiveness? How important is forgiveness? Well, it's the very first thing Jesus mentions to us from the cross. Father, forgive them. Generally speaking, the Bible is fairly consistent about listing things in order of importance from the most important on down. So the fact that he says this first of everything he's going to save from the cross is very important. Second of all, forgiveness is the only thing that Jesus asks for us in the entire Lord's Prayer. It's the only thing that's asked of us. Matthew 6, 9, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's about God reigning in heaven and the holiness of his name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's about God, God's will being embraced here on earth as he becomes increasingly more manifest to us. 11, give us this day our daily bread. That's about God providing all of our spiritual and basic needs. And then verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And there it is. We're asked to forgive one another in the same manner that we want to be forgiven. Then Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And that's God taking care of us again. So forgiveness is no small matter, but let's note something that's very important about the nature of forgiveness. And hear me on this. Jesus says from the cross, 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is revealing. You see, for a sin to be a sin, a person must know that what they're doing is wrong and then violate it. They must know. This is, if they don't, it's not a sin. This is why we have greater tolerances for, for mistakes from mentally challenged people and very young people. They don't know. People often talk about Eve as being tricked by the serpent in the garden, but she wasn't. She wasn't tricked. She was beguiled. She was tempted. She was seduced. In Genesis 3, 4, the serpent said to her, Ye shall surely not die, for God doth, doth know in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. In other words, if you do this thing that he's asked you not to do, you're going to be just like him, maybe better. James 1.14 says, But every person is tempted when they are drawn away of their own lust and enticed. Then when the lust, lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And here's what I'm getting at. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If that's truly the case, he's not asking his father just to forgive their sins, but to forgive it all. Forgive it all. Here it comes. To forgive their mistakes, their blunders, their errors, their foul-ups, their misreadings, their debts. You see, these people didn't know who Jesus was. These people didn't have a clue. These people thought they were protecting their own faith from a dangerous and destructive religious fanatic. So the first step of forgiveness is A, accept human fallibility. Accept human. Everybody makes mistakes. Everyone messes up. Everyone does something they wish they hadn't. Everyone has a bad day now and then. Everyone makes poor decisions from time to time. You, me, all of us. King David himself would cry out in Psalm 25, 18, look upon my affliction and my pain and forgive my sins. If we could just see another person's afflictions, if we could just see another person's pain, if we could just see another person's anguish, their torment, their suffering, their grief, their abuse, their wounds, their scars, then we would find it much easier to forgive their transgressions against us. And this is why it's important to remember Romans 3.10, there are none righteous, no, not one. <laughs> Nobody's righteous, nobody's pure. We're spiritually pure, but we're not physically pure. Anyway, this is why it's such an important message. The American poet Alexander Pope said this 300-year-old maxim, to err is human, to forgive is divine. To err is human. So in order to forgive, we need to act. We need to A, accept human fallibility. Then we need to C, cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. The Bible reads, later knowing that all was now completed, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked it in a sponge, put a, the sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, he said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. The original Greek, Jesus uttered here is te telestai, it is finished. These words have been found on ancient papyri receipts for taxes and other debts for history. The word telestai means both paid in full and debt canceled. Paid in full and debt canceled. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he canceled every debt we will ever have made with him over a lifetime, past, present, and future. In other words, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, all our bills are paid in full. All our debts are completely canceled. All of them. 
Pastor Andy Stanley was teaching on forgiveness in his church, and he noticed a woman in the fourth row that was crying. The longer he talked, the more she cried. When the sermon was over, everybody left, but the woman was still crying, and he approached her and sat down next to her, and he said, are, are these good tears or bad tears? Are these good tears or bad tears? The woman said, they're good tears. Between sobs, she told the story of a, a very painful divorce that she'd gone through seven years earlier. She sought help from a counselor, but one day that counselor forced himself on her and in the worst way. She pressed charges, went to trial. The man was declared innocent and went free. And to complicate matters, she discovered that she was pregnant from the encounter. Nine months later, gave birth to a baby boy. She pulled out her wallet and showed Pastor Stanley a picture of her son. After telling the whole story, the woman said, you know something? For six years, I've had an ironclad case against this man. I've had the support of everyone who's ever heard my story, but while you were talking, it occurred to me that I was holding a debt over this man's head that he can never repay. Even if he were to come to me today, he can never pay me back. For six years, I've held on to a debt, waiting for him to somehow repay what he has taken away from me. My anger and my resentment have controlled me. I have erected so many walls that nobody can get close to me. I have been determined never to allow that to happen again. But what you said made so much sense. If he can't even pay the debt, what's the point of me holding on to that any longer? While I was sitting here, I canceled the debt. He doesn't owe me a thing. I feel like a new woman. Stanley writes, we both sat there and cried. Very, very, very important story. Peter went to Jesus with a problem, Matthew 8, 21, 18, 21. He says, Lord, how many times shall my brother, how shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? I don't know what had happened, but Peter is probably talking about forgiving John since a little earlier in the Bible, the text said that an argument broke out among the disciples as to who would be the greatest in the kingdom. And Peter had, hadn't missed the fact that John considered himself to be especially loved by Jesus. Anyway, Peter, feeling magnanimous, is willing to forgive him as many as seven times. Wow. But you all remember what Jesus said. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, there is no limit to how many times you should forget, forgive somebody. There's no limit to it. Seven may be a great number. 77 may be a great number. 247 maybe. But what's the end? The end is when it's worked, when you find that the forgiveness has taken. Jesus goes on to tell the story of the wicked servant who begged his king to forgive him a $53 million debt which was granted to him, but then the wicked servant refused to give his own servant a meager $40 debt. When the king found out, he flew into a rage. You wicked servant, he said. I cancel all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had the mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? And the Bible adds that the king threw him into prison to be tormented by the jailers until he repaid the entire debt, all $53 million. Oh, it's not my taxes this year. <laughs> Jesus sums it up. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. My point? Too often we live in grief. We live in prison. We live in torment. We live in isolation. We live out of fellowship with God because we won't cancel the debt. We won't forget what someone's taken from us. We won't let go of something that's already lost, even though, even though, even though it can't be paid back anyway. So to forgive someone, we need to act. 
We need to A, accept human fallibility. We need to C, cancel the debt. And we need to T, turn the page. Turn the page. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 12, 19, David noticed that his servants were whispering among themselves and he realized that the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked? Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. His servants asked him, why are you acting like this? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, when the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? I, can I bring him back? I'll go to him in heaven, but he will not return to me. This is the story of David's little baby boy that was born of Bathsheba, who lived only one week before he died. The Bible tells us that while the baby was alive, David fasted and mourned and prayed. And when he learned that the baby had died, he got up, got dressed, got some food, and got back to work. And the servants went goofy. Why are you acting like this? When the child was alive, you fasted and whipped, but now that the child's dead, you get up and eat? And David answered, and let me try this again. When the child was alive, I thought maybe the Lord will be gracious to me and let, me, let him live. But now that he's dead, there's nothing I can do to bring him back. Oh, I will go to him, but he will not come to me. David says, I will go to him, meaning I'll see him in heaven, but adds, but nothing, nothing I do can bring him back. And David's right. We cannot fix the past. We cannot change history. We cannot undo yesterday. We cannot bring back the baby. But we can turn the page. We can turn the page. How? By choosing to forgive. Salem, Oregon. Parents who attended the sentencing of a teenager who had abused their children wept. Scott Harrison, 18, was placed on 20 years probation and ordered into a five-year intensive treatment program. The father of one of the victims stood up to address the court. Overnight, his son had become an angry, hostile, foul-mouthed, disobedient child. He and his wife had struggled to understand, but the boy was too ashamed to tell them the truth. Scott, the father, said, you stole a piece of the innocence that every little boy or girl has a right to keep. But, he added, but, he added, he, even, he and his wife had finally found a way to gain peace. They finally found a way to gain peace. He says, we will not allow you to continue to hurt our family. Scott, even though you do not deserve it, we are choosing to forgive you. Big. Let me repeat that. We will not allow you to continue to hurt our family. Even though you do not deserve it, we are choosing to forgive you. And there it is. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision. It's an action. People may not deserve our forgiveness, but we need to forgive them anyway and not let them continue hurting us. Anne Lamott, who wrote Traveling Mercies, said this, not forgiving someone is like drinking a bottle of rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. I agree with that completely. But you may be thinking, I'd like to feel forgiveness too. Well, you can. How? By lifting your hand. Corey Ten Boom wrote this. I had come from Holland to a church in defeated Germany with a message that God forgives. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. Then I saw him 
Then I saw him, a bald, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat with a brown felt hat clutching between his hands. And I remembered the blue uniform, the visored cap and skull, the crossbones. The place was Ravensbrook, and he was a guard, one of the most cruel. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fräulein! And I, who had spoken so glibly about forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. You, uh, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there, but since I have become a Christian, oh, I know God has forgiven me, but, but, and the hand came out again, will you forgive me? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours. But I knew I had to do it. God's forgiveness has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. And I knew why. From the daily experience, I had seen that the victims of the Nazi brutality who forgave their enemies were able to re rebuild their lives. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. And still, I stood there with coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. It is an act of the will. I prayed silently, Jesus, help me. I can lift my hand, but I need you to supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I stretched my hand into the one that was stretched out to me. And as I did, something incredible took place. A current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood all over my being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. I had never known God's love so intensely, but even so, I realized this was not my love. I had tried and did not have the power. Very important line. This was not my love, it's his love. I repeat this. This was not my love. I tried, but I did not have the power. On a personal note, I pastored a church in another area for about five years, and I felt the Lord calling me to move on. When I did, I was surprised to find out that virtually no one from my old church ever contacted me. Figure that out. Except for a monthly letter asking me for money for their new church they were building. <laughs> this went on for about a year, and I was both hurt and angry. So finally, I asked the Lord, Lord, what should I do? He said, send them a check. <laughs> so I did. I wrote the check. I took it to the post office. I held it up to the slot. And here's the good part. The moment I dropped that envelope into the mail, I felt a healing warmth coming all over my body. Instantly, instantly, every single feeling I'd had about anger, of bitterness, of resentment, of depression, of unforgiveness, and all the other poisons were completely erased, completely dissolved, completely washed away, right out of my heart by what? God's love. By God's love. And I went home that day a very happy camper. So, if you want to feel forgiveness, all you have to do is lift your hand. Lift your hand. Lift your hand and let God do the rest. Lift your hand to make that phone call. Lift your hand to write that letter. Lift your hand to wave that greeting. Lift your hand to pat that shoulder, to wrap that gift, to shake that hand, to give that hug, to ring that doorbell, to send those flowers. I promise you, if you will lift your hand, God will do the rest, and you will instantly feel God's healing warmth flooding over your whole being. In closing, I was teaching a message about forgiveness down at Happy Camp Christian Fellowship, and I was almost done when I had an afterthought. Out of nowhere, I said, oh, by the way, 
Don't forget to forgive yourself. Don't forget to forgive yourself. And the moment I said this, a woman in the back row, back row suddenly let out a groan and doubled over in pain in her chair. Then she immediately grew quiet but remained doubled over until I finished the teaching and closed the prayer. As soon as I stepped off the stage, she ran over to the pastor and his wife who were standing off there watching the, what I was doing. And she bade them for prayer and they were, they were in together for prayer in prayer, I'm sorry, about 15 minutes. Then as she was leaving, she came over to me and she said, I want to thank you. Your prompting to forgive myself may have just saved my life. Really. I never found out exactly what she was talking about, but I do know this. Forgiving ourselves is accomplished in exactly the same manner as we forgive others. We need to act. We need to accept human fallibility. We're human. We're going to make mistakes once in a while. We're human. We're going to make bad decisions from time to time. We're human. We're going to mess up on occasion. Listen, we're human and we're flawed and we need to go easy on ourselves. Then we need to cancel the debt. We may feel that we owe somebody something that we can never repay. Well, if we have tried our best to make amends and we have failed, then we need to release ourselves from the torment for our own personal, of, out of our own personal prison. Doing our best to make things right is all God asks of us. Doing our best to make them right. If it, does, if it fails, it fails, but you've got to do your best. And then we need to turn the page. We can't bring back the baby. We can't undo history. We can't change the past, but we can get up, we can get dressed, we can get some food, and we can get back to work. When? Today. This morning, this hour, this minute, now. Now is always the best time to offer forgiveness. Ephesians 4.26 puts it this way. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. I like that. Don't go to bed angry. Don't take it. Make that your point. Your point. I'm not going to bed angry. I'm going to fix this before this happens. I'm going to get straight with this before this happens. Don't let that happen to you. Bible says don't go to bed angry. In other words, it's okay to be angry, that's just human, but it's what we do with our anger, it's how we manage our anger that makes the difference. That makes the difference. Also, one little story I like to remember. Abraham Lincoln was walking down the street with a friend when he suddenly spotted a man on the other side, and he said to the, his friend, see that fellow across the street? Well, I don't like him very much, so I'm gonna go over, to, go over there and get to know him better. It's true. I'm going to go over there and get to know him better. I did this in this very church about two weeks ago, and it worked. <laughs> Just went over to somebody that I hadn't talked to because, I don't know, something went wrong months ago. I thought, it's stupid. And right away, we were friends again. It's just that simple. And sometimes all it takes, if you don't like someone, is just get to know them a little better. Get to know them a little better. I want to close today's teaching with this little saying goes like this. I can't change my heart, but I can change my mind. God can change my heart, but he won't change my mind. But if I will change my mind, God will change my heart. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are so understanding of us and so willing to help whenever we are involved in doing what's right, what's good, what helps, what's needed. Thank you, Lord, for giving us strength. Thank you for letting us use your strength on those occasions where ours isn't enough 
Thank you for being with us and taking such good care of us. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts, and we just want to abide in you, Lord, and just give you everything you would like to see from us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And I got one song left. I like to tell people that there was a time when I was going out to a lot of Christian schools, and they would send me to the elementary classes where the kids were, because I was a children's author. And uh, this song seemed to be the one they liked the best. Now, if you don't know this song, you can just sort of do an echo of it of some kind. See, see how this works. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Let's stand. Down in my heart, down in my heart, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Here we go, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I got that peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy. So very so happy, so very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Amen. Woo! Great. Isn't it great to have PK with us sharing this morning? If you're here this morning and you want prayer, if you'll come on down to the front as people are going to be exiting the building and uh, we're glad you were here today to celebrate Jesus with us, but if you need prayer, and you can come on forward. Uh, we're gonna. There's people around up here that can pray with you, to whatever uh, whatever you're uh, facing, financial difficulties, you know, health, whatever. If you can't make it to the front, just stay in your chair, and we'll we'll come to you. But uh, thanks for being here today. You're dismissed.